This is The Guardian. Today, what's behind a rebellion among London's armed police? Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. We know him only as Officer NX121, part of an elite group inside London's Metropolitan Police, the authorised firearms officers, the few police in the Met permitted to carry and use guns. And last year, NX121 used his gun to kill a young, unarmed black man named Chris Caber. 24-year-old Chris Caber was fatally shot on Monday. Police say the vehicle he was driving in was involved in a firearms offence in the days before his death. He died after a single gunshot. He was unarmed. How can I be in peaceful mind? No. And I can't grieve properly for my son. Chris was the life of the party. Like when he walked into the room, you could tell that he was there. He was a big brother. He had a fiance. He was a a dad-to-be, so he had so much going for him, he had a lot of potential. Last week, prosecutors investigating Cabba's killing charged NX-121 with murder. For a firearms officer to be prosecuted for killing or injuring someone in the line of duty is incredibly rare. But what happened next is unprecedented. More than a hundred of the officer's colleagues, in an act of protest and defiance, stepped back from their duties refusing to carry weapons. It's left London scrambling to guarantee people's safety. The army was called to provide backup, and now they've been stood down. But it's raised a bigger and more disturbing question about the city's most heavily armed officers. If they kill people unlawfully, can they be held accountable? From The Guardian, I'm Michael Safi. Today in Focus, why London's armed police are laying down their guns. Vikram Dodd, you're The Guardian's crime correspondent. Tell me about the Met's specialist firearm command. There's about 3,000 officers out of the Met's 34,000 who are authorised to carry a weapon. Some are static guarding, i.e. embassies and parliament, the officers you see stood outside. You also have a load of armed officers in what are called ARVs, armed response vehicles, who patrol and are deployed spontaneously to instance as they emerge. There's also firearms officers who go out on pre-planned raids. So it's quite an important command. It's quite a controversial command. And at the moment, it's a command with a lot of attention on it. And so these are the officers who are there supporting the majority of officers who are actually unarmed. What does it take to get onto this command? Well, you've got to be a volunteer. In theory, you don't get any extra pay. 
you have to be trained to a high standard and you're supposed to be revetted at regular incidents. Now, recent events in the past few years have suggested some of this isn't altogether correct or what should have been happening isn't happening. But by and large, they're pretty highly trained. The Met have figures which show that out of an average of 4,000 incidents every year, only twice on average is a shot fired. And so they carry a grave responsibility. They have the ability to use their firearm in the right circumstances. What are those circumstances? On what grounds are they permitted to shoot somebody? In theory, a British police officer has no greater legal protection than the average citizen when it comes to the law on self-defence. And that's what covers it. There's no special law. They would have to show that they had a reasonable and honest belief that the life of themselves or others was under threat and that the force they used was proportionate in the circumstances. So put more colloquially, they don't necessarily have to be right, but they have to show there was a very good reason why they opened fire. And how many times have officers been charged for murder when when they open fire and they kill somebody? Well, the records aren't exhaustive, but the last time a firearms officer faced trial for murder after opening fire whilst on duty was over a decade ago, and that was a guy called Tony Long, who was tried for murder for the killing of a suspect called Azel Rodney. A man who was shot dead by a police marksman in North London was killed without lawful justification, according to a damning report. Azel Rodney was shot six times after police stopped his car. It was prosecuted by the current Director of Prosecutions and the current Head of the Crown Prosecution Service, Max Hill, and ended in acquittal. But there have been cases where armed officers have used their guns, they've killed people, and that hasn't led to prosecution. I'm thinking of the case of Mark Duggan, whose killing in 2011 sparked the London riots, but but there are other cases too. Probably the most clear-cut one was in 2005, when John Charles de Menezes, a wholly innocent man, was shot dead by armed officers Mm. on the London underground as officers hunted four terrorist suspects who'd attacked the capital's transport network the day before. He was 27, an electrician catching the tube to work. But he was wrongly being pursued by undercover officers. Minutes later, he was dead. And that ended with no charges and no prosecution. So it's exceptionally rare that an officer is charged with murder in this way. And given that it's now before the courts, there's not much we can say other than the fact that the Crown Prosecution Service thinks they have enough evidence to justify a murder charge and that the officer in question denies it. But can we at least say why we don't know his name, why a court has ordered that he remain anonymous? I think there's a general concern, and this has happened before in other cases involving officers, that naming them may expose them to greater risks. That's going to be decided at a hearing later this week, where lawyers for NX121 will present whatever evidence they can, saying naming him would expose him to uh, unacceptable dangers. Others will say that open justice requires that the officer be named in the same way that any other person charged with a serious criminal offence would be. Vikram, when you talk to police in this case, what do they tell you about how they're feeling and what's fueling the decision of dozens, perhaps more than 100 officers, to turn in their arms? I think what's led to the rebellion protest since the charging of NX121 is a feeling amongst firearms officers that that could have been them 
what they feel is that they face a horrible experience of being charged with murder. They run too high a risk of that, which can drag out for ages, and whether it's really worth it. So what's happened in recent days is a protest where officers mm. have said, I need a period of reflection to think about whether I want to continue carrying a weapon. And dozens have declined to go out on patrol as they were supposed to do. What they've got to be wary of is that there is a law which makes spreading disaffection in the ranks a criminal offence, which is punishable mm. by a couple of years imprisonment or a fine. Hence why they're saying this is spontaneous, made by individuals, and at this stage, a temporary measure. That's caused absolute mayhem for Mark Rowley, the Met Commissioner, and his command team. It's about as embarrassing as it gets if you can't actually have control of your own offices, never mind the streets of London. And they've had to absolutely scramble to try and keep this rebellion at the size it is, stop it from growing Rowley's been down there on Thursday. One of his top aides was down there on Friday. And so far, they've failed to convince officers that they should carry their weapons. Vikram, can Mark Rowley, the Met Commissioner, just override these officers, order them to stop this strike, pick up their guns and just get on with it? Officers don't have industrial rights. They can't strike. So this is technically not a strike. Mark Rowley could order any officer to perform the role they have training for, and in this case, that's firearms. Whether you then, if an officer said to you, I'm just not feeling right today, I'm feeling you know, concerned and upset, whether you then override that and say, I don't care, you're going out anyway with a firearms onto the streets of London, whether they'd actually be prepared to take that risk is a whole other issue, and especially if the officer is saying, I need a few days to just think whether I want to continue doing this. Well, the Met now says they've got sufficient numbers to get by, but... Should we be worried that if there is some big emergency, a terrorist attack, something terrible, that there aren't going to be the officers that we need on the streets? I think we'll only find out as time goes by. It's the things not done. So the Mets had to scramble and get some armed support in from other forces, from smaller forces. Some of the officers who aren't going out on armed patrol have said in the event of an emergency, i.e. terrorist attack, we would come out but they're not prepared at this stage to do routine patrols. Some officers, I think it's about five after NX121 was put under criminal investigation, handed in their tickets, i.e. said we're not going to carry a gun for good. But this is now a much larger number who are having this protest, which the Met chiefs and I imagine the Home Office and others will hope is very, very temporary. There was talk on Monday of potentially getting the army out onto the streets. The Met now says they no longer need them, but... What would that have actually meant? Could we have seen British soldiers on the streets of London carrying weapons of war? I mean, you would have to have a complete walkout for that eventuality to even surface. I mean, police chiefs for a long time view it as an absolute red line to put the army on the streets or to say we just can't cope if you're supposed to be commanding officers and you can't do that. That's pretty humiliating for you. Vikram, you said earlier that this unit has been in the spotlight in recent months. Tell me about the bigger problems that have been reported among these officers over the past year. There's various bits of the Met who are armed. So we're talking about those in armed response vehicles, those on regular armed patrol. 
They were part of the inquiry conducted by Louise Casey into the Met, which followed the case of Wayne Cousins. Now, Casey looked at the Met culture, and, and obviously that was a very hard-hitting and hugely critical report of the Met, and found vastly male, very horrible cultures, as she put it. It had a prestige to it, which made it desirable, but also had various dodgy financial practices, iPads being ordered, equipment to camouflage being ordered, which couldn't ever be used in London, but which was ordered anyway, hotel stays, which couldn't be justified as part of work, mm. and bosses sort of turning a blind eye or really regretting if they ever try and tackle some of the alleged excesses. Interesting to note that what Casey found, her findings were accepted by Mark Rowley as commissioner. And he was, in fact, brought in to execute some of the reforms she suggested. What is he attempting to do when it comes specifically to these armed units? I think generally what he's trying to do is bring in new people, make it less male, less white, and try and reform the culture. There's been a long-term issue with the cultures around firearms, certainly in sections of it. They feel that they do a very difficult, dangerous job and that their bosses will betray them at the drop of a hat. Mm. And that feeling has been there for 15, 20 years easily. I mean, since I've been sort of knocking around them. I remember when the inquest was on for John Charles de Menezes and the person who shot him was being brought to the inquest. I was very taken aback if you stood at the back of that particular court building or that particular building where the inquest took part. They would come in in their black people carriers. There'd be a load of armed officers that were off duty supporting him. I think the best way I can put it is a very senior police officer who himself went through a controversial shooting. Put it like this to me. It is the impossible and the unacceptable. So it's impossible for an armed officer who's opened fire to account for every microsecond ages after the event over days, weeks and months of cross-examination or scrutiny. Mm. In a democratic society, not to have agents of the state who use force and kill potentially held to account is absolutely unacceptable you have various concerns which i would say police officers and those who say they're victims of police would share which is the whole system just takes too long any one of these cases just goes on for years and years and years and years Louise Casey, in her review, described this force as elitist, resistant to reforms, as arrogant. But when you describe the attitudes of the officers that you know, it's not a world away from that. It's kind of the mirror image. They feel like they're isolated, put in dangerous situations, and granted this terrible power, but always feel at risk of being turned on by their bosses. Yeah, I mean, it's a complex picture. On the one hand, the vast majority of them very highly trained, very conscientious. The stats, they would argue, speak for themselves, very reluctant to open fire. You know, it's not the states where shootings are multiple a day. Police opening fire in this country is pretty rare. Counterterrorism specialist firearms officers are trained to special forces standards and can do high-end things such as fast roping from helicopters and that sort of stuff. But you have certainly pockets which are problematic. I mean, I talked to someone senior over the weekend who knows firearms outside of London who said it would never occur to their firearms unit to try what the Met unit are doing in similar circumstances. They just wouldn't try it. I mean, there would be a concern that it's taking on your bosses, you're risking humiliating them, there's a risk that you leave colleagues who would 
go on an operation with armed cover because often you're covering your colleagues who are going in through the door of a suspect. And then there's the obvious issue of any potential risks to public safety. I mean, this unit you're describing is also a unit that we're told is in desperate need for reform. So if you're Sir Mark Rowley, how do you do that? How do you reform a unit that responds to one of its officers being charged with murder by having more than 100 other officers handing in their guns? I think Mark Rowley is playing the immediate crisis in front of him, which is I need to get enough of my armed officers back carrying their guns to provide the kind of cover we assess London needs. This is no doubt probably the worst crisis he's faced in just over a year of being in there because it's actually a fight within policing. It's a clear demonstration that certain sections and a very powerful vocal section of the police workforce aren't buying what their bosses are saying and are prepared to take action, which, you know, doesn't make the Met look good, does it? You know, we won't know the full facts of this for a good year, um, assuming we get to full trial on this. Coming up, the Met needs reform, but is that going to be possible? Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Today in Focus is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash todayinfocus. Vikram, there's a way of seeing this as an example of the defiance and the refusal to face up to accountability that Louise Casey said was endemic in the Met Police. But what does it tell you about Mark Rowley's wider prospects for reforming a police force that was described in the Casey Review as broken and as institutionally sexist, racist and homophobic? Does he stand any chance? 
It's events, dear boy, events, as a former prime minister said. He's having to play this immediate crisis that's erupted. There's been, you know, constant threats over the years that firearms officers, if they're unhappy, will hand in their tickets and lay down their weapons. This is the, the biggest manifestation of that in well over a decade. And it's a huge problem for him and his command team. And one of the first things he has to demonstrate is that he can run the Met and its day-to-day -day business. And away from this narrow issue, there is a constant tension between the message he needs to deliver, which the public need to hear, and a sense that's certainly there in sections of the Met, which is doing so is running down the Met, running down its reputation, and not talking about the excellent work that Met officers do day in, day out. There is an inherent tension in that. And you can argue that in terms of the police version of culture wars, the crisis we're seeing around firearms since the charging of uh, a police officer for murdering Chris Cabot is the most severe example we've seen of that. It's interesting that the Home Secretary over the weekend announced this review of policing. Part of that is to try and stop any further spread of these protests. It's happened before David Cameron, when he's Prime Minister, announced a review and nobody particularly knows what happened with that when he was faced with similar circumstances. Rishi Sunak has said armed officers need clarity about their powers. Swella Braverman, the Home Secretary, has talked about reviewing the circumstances in which these officers can use force, though the Home Office doesn't appear to have many details of what that review will actually involve. How does this standoff get resolved? How this resolves itself? Well, I think the Commissioner has said to some of these officers, You've got until the middle of the week to make your mind up, whether you're coming back to work, whether you're permanently handing in your ticket. So we'll see what happens. It might be that what's happened over the weekend with the review and that the commissioner's open letter where we called for a radical overhaul of protections for officers who use force may have done the trick. Uh, I mean, there's lots of stuff going around firearms officers. So one person has talked to me who is broadly part of that group says they're irked by the fact that the commissioner's seen the family of Chris Cabber but hasn't seen personally the officer involved. Now, I don't know if that's true, but this is strongly now about perception, not necessarily about realities. So how this will resolve itself is, I suppose, one option for the Met leadership is to start issuing ultimatums start saying, well, good luck if you don't want to carry a gun uh, and uh, back you go to regular patrol. Enjoy a wet night at 3am in Croydon. I mean, there is a diet calculus here, which is if you're a firearms officer, yep, there's dangers. Yes, there's um, high pressure at times, but it's by and large seen as a more prestigious job than being on regular patrol. Do you want to throw that all away? I think some of this may be that this dissipates a little bit, but then towards the end of the week, there's a hearing to decide whether NX121 keeps his anonymity. If he ends up being named, that may be another trigger for officers to think, do I really want to keep carrying a gun with the risk that I could get charged and then named and have, you know, months, if not, a year or two waiting trial and going through that whole process. Vikram, thank you very much. Thanks, Michael.
That was Vikram Dodd, The Guardian's crime correspondent. His coverage of this standoff can be found at theguardian.com. The Met said in a statement, a number of officers have taken the decision to step back from armed duties while they consider their position. But in the past 24 hours, some have returned. We are in ongoing discussions with those officers to support them and to fully understand the genuinely held concerns that they have. They went on, the Met has a significant firearms capability and we continue to have armed officers deployed in communities across London, as well as at other sites, including Parliament, diplomatic premises, airports, etc. And that is it for today. This episode was produced by Ned Carter-Miles and Hannah Moore. Sound design was by Rudy Zagadlo. The executive producers were Homer Khalili and Phil Maynard. And we're back tomorrow. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.